Welcome to the Oxford Berlin Creative Collaborations Podcast. Today we are in conversation with the experimental film and media art class at the University of Arts in Berlin. We are focusing on new forms of research in the field, art in the age of climate change. Our speaker today is Eiko Soga, who is currently doing her PhD at the Ruskin School of Art in Oxford. In part three of this series, The Aesthetics of an Intangible World. shortly maybe talk about also my project but also I have one question that I wanted to give but couldn't find the timing actually um, yes uh, my project some of you maybe already have seen it was about the cow and animal experiment uh, conducted on cow in, um, in Russia and um, yeah, it was just starting point to the they kind of developed a virtual reality headset and customized on cow head and showing the cows and a beautiful meadow grassland to reduce cow's anxiety. And they claim that, that it uh, produced more milk. And then I, um, based on this story, um, experiment and article that I developed, kind of a speculative film on that and that cow take a psycho psychiatric treatment on virtual reality and so on. So that's uh, my project keeps going on on animal experiment and the relationship between the big name of science and scientific idea and those um this kind of a like so for example indigenous belief and kind of common sense on animals um so that's actually that i wanted to ask uh, a question to aiko and also probably to uh, amanda as well And then because I've been thinking a lot about uh, the notion of uh, empathy on animal and um, this um, like thin difference is like thin distinction between anthropomorphism and anthropocentric view, which is quite different, but is often very confusing each other. Do you have any perspective on that? And also second, that also Eiko, you also mentioned the animism so that I am wondering that I know people, how do they um, communicate with animals, but how do, um, how do they deal with the pain of the animals, for, for example, relating to the killing, because they obviously anthropize in, in a Western way <laughs> to say that when, when the animal or object, but do they relate it to pain itself as well when they do kill them? So yeah, that was my question. Thank you for your questions and uh, telling us about your work. It sounds really fascinating. Um, yeah, I, that's something I think about a lot, this uh, idea of empathy between human and animals, because at the end of the day, we can only understand about ourselves. If I, you know, say it very strict sense, when I, you know, I told you that uh, I saw a bear getting dissected, all I wanted was to sit down with this bear and talk. But of course, 
I can't do that. And but what Ainu people did was to, as I mentioned earlier, they spent days and days to create space to pray and pay respect and show appreciation to those species. I think that's one way which doesn't really justify the killing of animals. But when we think about cycle of nature, at one point we. When I imagine about reforestation and the issue around, for example, getting wolves back in the video, Monchan talked about issue of wolves get being killed. But if we were to bring the wolves back and have all the mountains back, you know, reforestated, we will at one point have an issue of encountering more wild animals. That how do we deal with that? Would killing animals still be bad? And how is that different to farming animals? Those are two very different things. A question I wanted to raise to everyone as well was how do we know when we think we understand others, including humans and natural species? I think that's really, you know, a feeling of that we understand has such deep relationship with a cultural background we all have. And how can we agree on these cultural differences? So for me, you know, before I can even understand other animals, I have to kind of think about how I can understand other humans too. And, you know, in the world where there is so much conflict among humans, so sorry, this is kind of open-ended uh, response. I have a question and a bit related to, to what you're talking now. So I was wondering also by watching uh, the film um, and, and thinking, uh, there's also something that I've been thinking for, for a long time about the relation between nourishment and violence. That's something that, for example, for years I've been also trying to, in a way, I think perhaps trying to deal with escaping the violence. So as in, you know, at a young age, stopping to consume animal products and, and things like this. But then later on, understanding that it's sometimes about, as for example, I sensed in, in the film uh, and the relation uh, with the hunting, as in how do we integrate violence uh, instead of avoiding it, as in um, a natural part of nourishment um, because we are always somehow um, consuming another life energy and making it part of ourselves. Being it a plant or being it an animal, there's always some sort of violence uh, related to the act, I think, of taking something and making it a part of yourself in order to nourish your own life uh, in a way, because you also want to somehow continue. <laughs> and um, so I wonder if it's perhaps uh, this, the, these prayers and this conscious uh, um, way of, of um, dealing with uh, the hunting is also somehow a way of integrating violence in oneself. And then um, I also think right now the individual violence of um, consuming a life form, but as in the uh, the violence that we, uh, the impact that we have in the, as in not choosing to eat certain things or, or certain things, more as in a broader way of, of the planet, as in, for example, mass production of, of certain animals. This is a kind of a question into the room. Thank you. 
Thank you. Um, yeah, as I was listening to your comment, I was thinking that in context of the Ainu people, I don't think they saw hunting was something violent. It was necessity to survive. They were challenged by nature too. You know, being in Hokkaido on a daily basis, I have to have new learning about how not to put myself in danger because it gets so cold to the point I really feel I lose energy quickly. And, you know, I can encounter bears if I go to mountains or if I go to the sea, I can easily get drowned. So as much as you could say people are violent towards animals and nature, but nature are quite violent towards us as well. I feel like it's uh, it's not a one-way violence. And someone, one of the Ainu researcher wrote that, you know, human or even Ainu developed a way of living that is to ignore those violence or wildness in nature because it's so scary. And so people developed city-centric way of life to pretend we don't have to face them. But I, I see violence, mutual thing that we are dealing with nature or natural species. I wonder what everyone else might say. Um, thank you, Aiko and Amanda, for being here. Aiko, I really appreciate your research. I've been like for a long time looking for someone to talk about these things and some concepts don't make so much sense to me sometimes for example this anthropocene um, perspective when i think as human being the ones who like has affected this environment before colonization there were so many civilizations for example where i come from that had a really cosmovision and worldview really like in connection with the nature and they exist for more than 3000 years not affecting like having this harmonic way of living with nature and i do have blood connection i don't know how far i am from uh, the indigenous um, roots where i come from but for example my mom up in the valley and between the mountains and she has another relationship with animals because she grew up with them and like she cooks meat and when i talk about veganism with her and and so on like she really likes that i do these things but she still cooks uh, meat because she has a hard time to understand that these massive things could happen like because for her consuming animals was cultural and also really restful and not the way we are doing it right now so when we talk about these things and environmentalism and so on, I feel like as well what Aiko is doing with the research, I feel, how are we centering this conversation? To whom are we listening to? Because I, sometimes I feel we don't need to look forward new things because they already happen. All these uh, leaders, like there is a lot of indigenous leaders that are being killed right now for respecting, for like fighting against big companies just to save water or to save like the air, like in the Amazon, in the Anden. So I don't know, I wish like I could like be more like in this approach. I've been part of also a lot of classes around climate and things are out of the, of the conversation or like they're just like an appendix or, or let's give it a bit time off to talk and 
they become leaders, it was just a matter of like surviving and kind of sacrifice to all of us. Like, and now we are sitting talking about it. So for me, this is something that it's really important in these conversations and about science and like all the culture that was, for example, in Peru, at least like where I come from, um, there is no memory because they destroy everything. And the language that was before is not written. So it's not taken seriously because we don't have documents. And uh, they even kill the languages. Like there are still people talking about it, but it's not official. There is not much people knowing. So how do we create uh, or be part of this official history if there is another way of like, it's not the same language, it's not written, it's not official or certified by this academia because the academia was created after that. So some of the things that always keeps in my mind when I talk about this. Thank you for your comment. I totally, I really feel what you're saying. Sometimes, you know, when I see people destroying the sea or mountain or just hunting animals for fun i want to drop everything i'm doing and become an activist yeah it's interesting you mentioned about your boots uh in relation to anthropocene because i listened to a podcast called mothers and inventions and something i love and it's often focusing on indigenous wisdoms and knowledge and one indigenous woman from South America said a concept of Anthropocene is produced by colonizers which is quite eye-opening <laughs> comment for me and you know she's right because all the indigenous people have been you know fighting against and living with wild nature for a long long time and a lot of people are still fighting to keep doing that. And in terms of unwritten history, I encountered that a lot working with Aina people too. I'm so frustrated that in a lot of Aina history is written by outsiders through different cultural lens. So sometimes I don't even know what's written is genuine or how do I even consider the idea of genuineness is get a bit complicated. We talked about this earlier, but I think artists can be catalysts to make small changes through you know small encounter with others. So I do believe in power of art. But the question is how then those you know world leaders become interested in art <laughs> um, and be inspired. I think that's a big challenge. <laughs> Many thanks for listening to our work. We invite other artists and researchers addressing this integration between art and science towards new ways of working with knowledge to get in touch with links to their work. Please email us on info at oib.ox.ac.uk.